Hey, Westside family, Jake Gilbert here, one of the leaders in charge of our media department. Thanks for joining us for today's message. We hope you are blessed by what God has been speaking to us through our pastors and leaders, and we pray this leads you into an even more intimate relationship with Jesus. We love you guys, and enjoy. Well, for the last few weeks that I've been speaking, I have been uh, just just getting into Psalms. So we've covered Psalms 1, we've covered Psalms 2. So tonight we're going to look at uh, Psalms 3. And uh, I'm sure we'll, uh, well, I didn't put it, I didn't, I didn't upload it earlier. Guys, if you can get to Psalms 3 real fast, that would be awesome. I will definitely be reading it. So uh, let's just go ahead and jump into it, shall we? Let me read it first, and then we're going to talk about it. Now, as we get into this, let me go ahead and say that this is a psalm of David, King David, and he wrote this psalm when uh, he was basically uh, fleeing from his son Absalom. His son Absalom uh, rebelled against him and actually wanted to kill him. Uh, And during that process, this is when he wrote this uh, to give you a little bit of context here. Lord, how they have increased who troubled me. Many are they who rise up against me. Many are they who say of me, there is no help for him in God. But you, O Lord, are a shield for me, my glory and the one who lifts up my head. I cried to the Lord with my voice, and he heard me from his holy hill. I lay down and slept. I awoke, for the Lord sustained me. I will not be afraid of ten thousands of people who have set themselves against me all around. Arise, O Lord, save me, O my God, for you have struck all my enemies on the cheekbone. I like this next line. You have broken the teeth of the ungodly. I picture God kicking their teeth out. Sorry, that's my aggressiveness coming through, sir. (laughs) Salvation belongs to the Lord. Your blessing is upon your people. So let's, let's, let's look at this. Can we get the scripture so I can go back and forth with it, you guys? Okay, all right. No worries if not. It's my fault I didn't send it up to Jake earlier today. I was caught up in stuff. So <clears throat> let me just kind of create a, a, a premise, a context, before we kind of break it down. Uh, so in this, we're going to talk about three like little main uh, three uh, areas that comes out of this chapter. Number one, atta- attacks against us. Number two, how we can depend on the Lord during this. And number three is David's experience, what he was personally feeling and experiencing in this. So in life, we we, we might as well accept that there is going to be conflict. And there is going to be attacks. It just doesn't doesn't matter who you are, how long you've been walking with God, how righteous or how unrighteous you might be. There is going to be attacks in life. There's going to be conflict. There's going to be people that rises up against you because of just who you are, who you are in Christ, who you're called to be, the choices you made, how God has blessed you. 
or you might get people rising up against you because maybe you haven't experienced the fullness of God's blessings yet. And sometimes these attacks, they hit the hardest and they hurt the most uh, when they come from the ones that we have put our trust in. Family, sad to say there's times when there is attacks or conflict, opposition from family. Friends, people that you've walked with, people that you have fought side by side in life, maybe you've worked with, confided in. Sometimes, for whatever reason, there is people that come against you even when they are your friends. Co-workers, you can be working uh, side by side with somebody. And you, you, you share stories, you share life, and then all of a sudden, for whatever reason, there is a conflict, there is an opposition, there is a difference. There could be an attack. Now, talking about this, thinking about this, uh, <clears throat> there is rhyme or reason the Bible says we, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but we fight against the principalities of darkness. That's the reason. That's the rhyme and reason right there, is that there is darkness at hand. But also there's another rhyme and reason that we have to be reminded of, and this is in uh, two different Gospels, the Gospel of John and the Gospel of Matthew. I just want, to I want us to be reminded of some things Jesus said. So John 15, 18 through 19 says this, If the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love its own. Yet because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Sometimes we're going to be attacked because there's people that just hates us. Let's look at another one. Matthew chapter 10 verses 21 through 22. Now brother will deliver up brother to death, and a father his child. And children will rise up against parents and cause them to be put to death. Can you imagine? And you will be hated for all, by all for my name's sake. But he or she who endures to the end will be saved. I start off with, 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 with these verses, with these thoughts, because the first section of this psalm has to deal with attacks that is placed upon David's life that we can pull from uh, for uh, some personal application. And it's very important to remember that there is a battle going on and when we are attacked, there is a spiritual foundation or there is spiritual roots in the attacks that we experience from people. Now, there is attacks that doesn't come from people and there are attacks that comes from people. You can be attacked in the midnight hour by, by a demon, uh, by the work of the enemy, and it will not involve anybody else. But you can be out and about and experience a type of an attack from somebody else, and you can know that it is, there is an influence from the work of the enemy, and it's because of who and what you have in you and who and what they have in them. Does that make sense? So now let's jump in, 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 into the Psalms. I just wanted to kind of, I just wanted to give you that. Now remember, this Psalm is written by David when he was being chased and when he was trying, when he was uh, trying to be killed by his son Absalom, this blows this blows me away. I don't have time to really get into David's heart. 
uh, in the story, but when you read the story, uh, David was a dad that loved his child, and he didn't want his child uh, to, to, he didn't want to go to war against his child, and he didn't want his soldiers to kill uh, his child. He even said that, but yet his child felt differently. In the first two verses, we come across the attacks. Lord, how they have increased who trouble me. Many are they who rise up against me. Many are they who say of me, there is no help for him in God. Selah. In other words, stop, collaborate, and listen. David's there with a brand new edition. <laughs> I size baby if you don't know who that was. Okay. So we have three different kinds of attacks right here. Attack of trouble, attack of rising up against, and attack of speaking against. So first of all, there is a distinct difference between when we are being troubled by people and when people are rising up against us. So you can have someone that technically is attacking you that is just a trouble to you. A trouble to you meaning that they are doing things, saying things, or acting in ways that is absolutely irritating you. Have you ever just had somebody, for no reason at all, who they did, who they were, what they said, their interactions against you was just absolutely irritating. It was just like rubbing the skin so red it creates a blister. It's just irritating. It's not really hurting you, but it's just troubling you. Anybody? Do you live with one of them? Don't say that. Don't, 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 don't say that. Don't, don't, don't give a thumbs up. Sometimes, sometimes, sometimes. <laughs> don't, don't, don't be nudging. Don't be nudging. You know what I mean? <clears throat> they irritate you. They bother you. Maybe they just don't like you. Maybe it's the way you look, it's the way you act. Maybe it's your faith. Maybe it's how God blesses you. Maybe it's what's happening in your, in your life as opposed to what's happening in their life. And they just don't like you and they speak about you. They are creating trouble for you. So this was one of the battles that David was going through. At one point, Absalom was just creating trouble for David. This this kind of stuff haunts you a little bit. Every time you see the person, every time you hear the person or people, it's just creating trouble. But then you go to another level. Sometimes, not all the time, but sometimes, a lot of times I would say, an attack can start off as a trouble. You're just being troubled by somebody. Sometimes you might be troubled by somebody because they want to get you to do something. Maybe they want to get you to act a certain way. Maybe they want to get you to respond a certain way. Maybe they want you to follow suit with them. But when you stand your ground and you don't, and you do what you're supposed to do, and when you, when you uh, continue being what you're supposed to be, then at times that trouble can turn into an uprising against you. And we have David saying here, many are they who rise up against me, they being the ones that turned against David and became a part of Absalom's rebellion. 
Absalom was sneaky. He was a manipulator. He was deceptive. And he turned people against David. And there became this uprising against the king, against the man that led them into victory, against the man that stabilized them, against the man that allowed the Ark of the Covenant, the presence of God, to come back into Jerusalem. But there created this uprising, and sometimes uprisings against us is not fair. This was not fair for David. He, had, he was a good king. He was a godly king. He was a king used by the Lord to, to do great things in Israel and to establish Israel in a great way. And there was no reason for this son to create a rebellion, to come against David in a way to where the son and his followers wanted David dead. It was not fair. But the devil don't fight fair. Amen? The devil fights in a way that he'll pull something from your past that happened 10 years ago. The devil fights in a way that he will cause people to think you said something when you didn't say it or take what you said out of context. The devil fights in a way when you can be just minding your own business and somebody just don't like the way you mind your own business and they come against you. The devil don't fight fair. And we have to realize that, and we have to know, especially as we continue in our season, continue in the last days, the enemy is going to continue to fight, and when he fights, he's not going to box, he's not going to go through a proper MMA, but he's going to put out a dirty, nasty, street kind of fight where he's going to kick you in the boys, he's going to bite, he's going to scratch, he's going to pull hair, he's going to do any and everything dirty to get you down so he can pound and ground, pull out the blade, stab you, shoot you, and put you out for good. Am I making sense? If you've ever been in a fight, you know what I'm talking about. Because sometimes fighting ain't fair. It's not like you get in a boxing ring and you're ready to go, or you get on a wrestling match and you're ready to roll. Sometimes a fight is just absolutely dirty. You got people sticking thumbs and eyes, sticking fingers and throats, sticking feet between the legs and so forth. And you got to be ready for it all when you get in the fight. Amen. And that's the way the devil fights. And spiritually, you got to be ready to handle it all. Amen. 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 This was not fair. And then we go into the third area of attack. Where am I at here? There we are. Many are they who say of me, there is no help for him in God. See, people was actually judging his relationship with the Lord. Now, I, I, people troubling me irritate me. People rising up against me get on my nerves, but I, 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 I've all... I've always been a fighter, so I'm, I'm ready to fight. But people, t people judging me, people talking about me, people acting like they know my business when they don't know my business, people assuming things about me, people thinking they may, thinking 
they're my God, or people thinking they got a direct line to my God about, now, you want to get me a little upset, that gets me upset. The people were saying there is no help for him and God. They were actually judging his relationship with God. What they were technically doing in an indirect way is they were accusing him of a type of sin. They were accusing him of a bad choice. They were accusing him of something that would cause God not to be with him. Because in their faith and their religion and how God worked with them, that if they were doing wrong, then God was not about it. That how God responded to them was an absolute direct line how good they were walking the line. Because even the priest, when they would go into the most holy place, guess what? If they had sin in their life, you know what would happen to those jokers? Adios, amigo, out of here. That's why they had a rope tied to them when they walked into the most holy place because if somebody, if a temple worker didn't hear the, hear the bell jingling because they had bells on their garment, they knew they bit the dust, that they had a hidden sin in their life, and they would pull them out by a rope. So technically, what was being said about David since they said there is no help for him and God. What they were saying is that he's done lost contact with God. God is not on his side. He has a hidden sin. He is a bad leader. He is an evil king. And they were coming against him again in a very unfair way, in a judgmental way, in an inaccurate way that he didn't do anything for, he didn't ask for, but yet again, the enemy works any way that he possibly can to steal, kill, destroy, and he fights unfair, whether it's a verbal fight or whether it's a physical fight. Amen? This was absolutely unfair for David. They were putting a verdict or judgment against him in regards to God and his life. Just a little simple word of advice. If, they, if somebody does this to you, just ignore them. My dad used to always tell me, I didn't always listen to it, you can't fight fire with fire. My problem is when they fired up, that got me fired up, and you had two fires burning. <laughs> That's not always the best way. But I've learned since, thank the Lord. Let me tell you this, if you are somebody who does this, then you should be very careful. Because we have to remember what the Lord we have to remember a principle of God that we find in the New Testament Lord's Prayer. There's a part of that prayer that says, Lord, forgive me as I have forgiven. So if we're sitting here casting judgment, if we're sitting here throwing stones, if we're sitting here shooting arrows, and not that anybody has, I'm not speaking this because of if something has happened, it's not. I'm just, I'm just teaching the Bible tonight. And I've been in church long enough to see this happen. And people need to be warned. If somebody's doing this, you better watch out because you will reap what you have sowed. And if you are not forgiving, guess what? You're not going to be forgiven. The Bible says it. That's not, it says it plain and clear. 
So let's move on. So what does God do in this? Verse 3 and 4. Let me read it. But you, O Lord, are a shield for me, my glory, and the one who lifts my head. I cried to the Lord with my voice, and he heard me from his holy hill. Selah. So number one, a shield for me. He says, the Lord is a shield for me. The Lord is a protector or a point of protection on our behalf. The Lord, the Bible speaks that the Lord will raise up a standard against the floods of the enemy. The Bible teaches us that God builds a hedge of protection around about us. The Bible teaches that we have an encampment of angelic hosts camping out around about us for our protection and for personal ministry. God is our protection. Now, does that mean that we don't ever go through anything? No, because if you look at the Bible, one of his servants was thrown into a pit of lions, and a few other servants was thrown into a pit of fire. And how other servants was put on trial and persecuted, but through it and in it all, God was always with them, and God exercised protection to a degree that was needed. But what I've experienced in my life is that this protection for me is made real through faith because in Ephesians 6.16, it says, Above all, take the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. Now, I'll be very honest with you. I've had God protect me when I didn't have the faith. When I was on the bottom end, when I was dealing with doubt, thank God for his grace and his sovereignty. God had him protect me when I, when I didn't have the faith. But I will also tell you this, when I did have the faith, that protection was so much more real to me that I was able to enter into a peace that passes all understanding. And I was able to sing unto the Lord a new song because I had the joy of the Lord in my heart in the midst of being attacked, in the midst of battles, in the midst of struggle, because I had this faith that said, my God is my shield and my God is my protector and I'm not going to lean on my own understanding, but I'm going to acknowledge God for who he is in my life. Amen. It also says the one who lifts up my head. I like to think of God lifting a head in two ways. Number one is when my head is down forward. Why would I, what would be a necessity of me keeping my eyes up, especially in the midst of an attack? Have you ever put your head down in a fight? You don't get your head knocked off. <laughs> you put your chin down so they don't hit that button, but you keep your eyes up so you see what's going on. You don't look away. You don't put your head down in the middle of a fight. So, God lifts our head to keep our eyes focused on what it needs to be focused on in the midst of a battle. If you really listen to the Lord in the midst of the battle, he'll tell you what to focus on. He really will. 
I've never been in a battle and had God tell me to focus on anything other than his will, his promise, and his word for my, his word for my life. I've never had God to lead me to focus on the enemy, to focus on what people are saying, to focus on how I feel. Isn't it easy to focus on how you feel? I feel so mad. I feel so hurt. I feel so betrayed. No, you, you, you never have God leading you saying, okay, Jonathan, focus on the anger, son. <laughs> never. You'll never have God, okay, Jonathan, focus on the person you want to stink and beat their face in. I'm sorry, I'm being real, all right? You never have that. No, he will have you focus on what he said to you with a yes and an amen. He will have you focus on his promises, focus on his peace, focus on his word, focus on his goodness, focus on the positivity from other people in your life. He picks your head up and he leads you to focus on the right thing so you're ready for the next punch. You're ready for the next kick. You're ready for the next word that is coming against you. Amen? But that's not it when it comes to forward upness of our head. So he can take away shame and embarrassment. Some people put their head down because they're shamed. They're embarrassed for whatever reason, whether it be their actions or because of how somebody else made them feel. But when God picks her head up, it's as if God is saying, hey, you're my son. You're my daughter. You're the child of the king. You're created in my image and in my likeness. And there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So don't walk around with your head on the ground. Walk around with your head up knowing who you are in me, amen. And he keeps the head up from getting weary. Come to me, all you who are heavy laden, and I will give rest. I don't know how many of you exercise a lot, but I exercise pretty consistently. And sometimes I'll run my guts out. And at the end of my run, I'm not all, yeah, 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 yeah. I'm, ah, ah. Uh, my head's down. I'm bent over because I'm wore out. But when God picks your head up, he's also giving you strength. He's giving you rest. He's rejuvenating you. But that's not it. That's not it. There's a second. A second. So what happens when, I don't, when you're laying down and you're sick? And somebody's going to come and give you something to eat or give you something to drink that is going to nourish you, that is going to provide some health for you, that is going to give you some wellness in the midst of your sickness. I've never had my mama come and give me some medicine when my head was down, even though I was laying down. Am I making sense? But my mama would always come and put her hand behind my head, and she would lift my head up so I can take that medicine. Even though that medicine might have been nasty, she would pick my head up so I can take that medicine, so I could drink that water, so I can eat a little bit of that toast when I was felt like throwing up. Do you know what I'm saying? Sometimes God picks your head up so you can consume, eat, drink, take the thing that you need that is, that, that is going to help you fight the reason you're down anyway. Am I making sense? 
So God picks our head up for numerous reasons to give us medicine, to give us nourishment, to enrich us. He picks our head up to keep our eyes focused. He picks our head up for us to not feel shamed or condemned. He picks our head up so we're not stumped over in weariness. Now the third section is, is how David responds. No, I have another point in that second section. He heard me. Let me read it. I cried to the Lord with my voice, and he heard me from his holy hill. I'm not going to jump into this really deep, but I do want to say this. It's important for us to know, and I, I, my dad used to say this, you just know that you know. Very simple. When someone would ask him, well, how do you know God said this? And his best way of describing it was, you just know that you know. I can't articulate the voice of God. I can't tell you one, two, three, and four, this is how, when, and where God speaks. All I can say to you is you just know that you know. And I can honestly say that when God speaks, you may not be able to articulate it, but you just know that you know. God has spoke to you. Amen? And you got to know that you know God hears you when you cry out. It changes everything when we know this. Can you imagine not, not really believing and not knowing that you know God hears when you cry out? Can you imagine straddling the fence well, maybe he hears, or maybe it's just going into the air. Can you see the dysfunction of faith that occurs in that? And if there is a dysfunction of faith, there is a dysfunction of action. There is a dysfunction of receiving. There is an inability of peace and rest and strength and doing everything that we need to do in the middle of an attack. But when you know that you know that God hears you, it allows you to stay in a position to receive an answer when it is time to receive an answer. And I emphasize when it is time to receive an answer. So now let's, let's look at some personal outcomes. Verse 5 and 6. I lay down and slept. I awoke for the Lord sustained me. I will not be afraid of 10,000s of people who have set themselves against me all around. Three things. Number one, in the midst of the attack, David had rest. We can be attacked and sleep at the same time if we put our trust wholly, fully, and totally in the Lord. Imagine David, his own son. His own son just didn't want the throne. His own son just didn't want the kingdom. His own son wanted him dead. It would, I, I, can't even, I can't even fathom that. It would be, it's one thing when an enemy wants you dead. But it's another thing when your kid wants you dead. And you've done everything you can to set that kid up for, for success. Can you imagine that? 
But even when his kid, when his son wanted him dead, he was able to sleep. He found rest. He says, I awoke for the Lord sustained me. In other words, instead of continuing laying around and being all depressed and being controlled by fear and in the, all the mully grubs like, you know, is this the end of the world for them? No, he says, the Lord sustained me. In other words, the Lord gave me strength. The Lord gave me rest. The Lord picked me up. The Lord has helped me. And I awoke. He says, I will not be afraid of 10,000 people. He did not fear. The outcome of David in, in, in this scenario in his life really kind of blows me away. The idea that he could sleep when his son wanted to kill him. And you have to realize, uh, I would encourage you to go read the story. He fled from Jerusalem. And he was out and about and even said he didn't have a place to go. It wasn't like he was able to sleep in his kingdom, in his master's suite. No, he was running. He was in the wilderness, but yet he was still able to lay down, find rest, have sleep, be sustained, and not fear from the attack of the enemy. Because he put 100% of his trust in the Lord, and he knew what come or may or, what, what may or may not come, God was his shelter, his strength, and his redeemer. Amen? Now, verse 8, last one. It says, Salvation belongs to the Lord. Your blessing is upon your people. David was basically saying, God is going to win this battle, not me. That's what he was saying. God is going to win this battle, not me. God is going to win this battle, not me. But now what he was not saying, and what we're not trying to place in between the lines here, is that he didn't have to do anything, and therefore God do everything. Because when you read the story... There's, there's two things that really stand out. David had to act upon wisdom. David made the choice for him and the people that were with him had to flee from Jerusalem because Absalom and his army was about to descend down upon Jerusalem and raid it, and they knew that they would, would have been in harm's way. So they fled Jerusalem for lives to be saved. Even though David trusted the Lord, he still knew he had, to he had to act in wisdom. Trusting the Lord doesn't mean we, we just sit like sitting ducks, taking the onslaught, taking the slaps, and getting beat up by the devil. Amen? We still have to do our part. We have to act in wisdom. The other thing that stands out is when you read this story is that he didn't do anything alone but he was surrounded by an army he was surrounded by a team and that they made choices together he was even about to make a choice and the people close to him said no 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 we need to do it another way 
And even though he was king, he actually said, well, if you the people want to do it this way, then this is the way we will do it. And because of their choice, not his choice, Absalom ended up uh, hanging himself by his hair, and David's soldiers came and killed him, and therefore caused David to still remain as king. So what I'm saying is David not only acted in wisdom, but David also was part of a team. He was part of a greater group of people that helped him wade through the attacks. And let me tell you this, don't ever, 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 ever go through an attack by yourself because you cannot do it alone. There's people out to steal, kill, and destroy. There is the enemy trying to take you, take you out. And one of the greatest lies of the enemy is trying to tell you, you got this all on your own. You, you, you don't need to lean on nobody. You don't need to go ask for prayer. You don't, know to, you don't need to go talk to a pastor or another leader or a confidant uh, in your life. That is a lie from hell because the devil knows that if he can keep you in your secret all to yourself, the Bible says the, 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 the truth will set you free. Amen. Amen. Amen? So David exercised wisdom, and David used, utilized the power of, of his family, of his team, of his army that was there with him to support him. And he remained king. Now he was extremely sorrowful because he lost his son. In fact, he told him, don't kill him. But one of his top commanders went against the king's wishes and executed him because he knew This is what David needed in his life to be safe, for his family to be safe, for the kingdom to be safe. And he didn't get punished because of it. So it's so, so important. Oh, I know where I was getting, and this is just kind of coming to my heart. I'm sad to say this, and I hate hate to say this, but there's going to be times... That the people in our life that maybe we were the closest to is not going to always be there. That there might be a division. There might be a loss of relationships. There might be a separation of family members. Because just because you have the same blood don't mean you have the same spirit. And just because you have the same history with someone doesn't mean you have the same spirit. And they might rise up and come against you. And the best thing you can do. And you might have to have somebody else in your life to be straight with you and be like, hey, you need to sever that relationship. You need to get out of that one. Am I making sense? And it might hurt and it might create sorrow. And it's the last thing you'd ever want. Just like David, it, when, when you read the story, it is so plain and clear. It really just it, it broke my heart today reading, reading, reading his story and how he did not want his son to die. And what he said about his, his son is like he cried out, Oh, Absalom, oh, Absalom, oh, Absalom, my son. He cried out. But that separation had to be made, not because of 
where David was, but because of the choice that Absalom made. Sometimes we have to separate ourselves, not because of ourselves, but because of the people who's attacking us. Amen? And I can't sit up here and tell you when, where, and why, and how, how to do that. That, that. that comes from wisdom, and it comes from the counsel of the people that is closest to you, that loves you, that you trust. Amen? Amen. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word tonight. Uh, I hope that it just registered, that it, uh, it was applicable to circumstance, it was informative uh, to scriptural knowledge, that it was in, in encouraging. God, I just ask uh, that, it, that, it, that it was impactful, that it was effective, and maybe it st may it stick with people, may it stick with hearts and minds and not be forgotten or just thrown aside uh, as they leave and, and, and get, get back home and get started with the rest of the week. Lord, I ask for your guidance. I ask for your protection. I ask for all of us, for us to have, for us just, just to be led by your spirit on a day-to-day -day basis, for us to be sheltered on a day-to-day -day basis, for us to exercise wisdom on a day-to-day -day basis, for us to realize and lean into our friends and our family that we can trust that is there for us. In the name of Jesus Christ, we say amen. God bless you guys. Have a great, great end of your week. Love you. Thanks so much for joining us. We hope God spoke to you personally through this message and continues to encourage you throughout the coming weeks.